Welcome back to the Oscar Project Podcast, the show where I discuss Oscar-nominated films year by year. I am your host, Jonathan Eterberg, and today I am covering the 1927 film Chang, A Drama of the Wilderness. Now before we get going too far, I want to go over the important details about the film. Chang premiered on April 29, 1927 in New York City and had a general release on September 3, 1927, making it one of the earliest released films that we will be covering in this first season of the podcast. It was directed and produced by Marion C. Cooper and Ernest B. Shodzak, and uh, intertitles were written by Ahmed Abdullah. The film stars Crew, Chantui, and Na, all as themselves, in addition to numerous tribal village residents, tribal warriors, jungle animals, and the jungle itself. The running time is about 64 minutes, and it was produced by the Famous Players Lasky Corporation, or the Paramount Famous Players Corporation, and distributed by Paramount Pictures. There is at least one version of the full film available online, but it's on what looks to be a Chinese version of YouTube called BillyBilly.com. Not sure how much I trust this website, plus the title cards are all in French, so unless your French is really good, you might lose some of the story by watching this version. I personally recommend checking out the film streaming on Amazon Prime. It's available through a subscription service called Fandor, which is currently listed at $3.99 a month, but if you sign up to check out the film, you do get a free seven-day trial. Now, before I get into the film, I want to discuss the directors. Marion C. Cooper and Ernest B. Shodzak were young filmmakers who were born around the time of the advent of film technology in the late 1800s. They were both in their early 30s when they trekked to the jungles of northern Siam to film Chang, fresh off their very first film, Grass, a nation's battle for life which was filmed in Iran. You might recognize their names, but you don't know quite where you've heard them before. It might be from a little film that was released a few years after Chang called King Kong. That's right, the same men behind this film were the directors of one of the biggest films of the 1930s, though at the time they were uncredited for their directorial work on that film. Cooper was born on October 24, 1893, in Jacksonville, Florida, as the youngest of three children. He grew up wanting to be an explorer and eventually found his way into military service during and after World War I. He served as a pilot and was shot down several times, including over Soviet Russia after World War I, where he spent nine months as a prisoner of war. After making films for several years, he returned to service in World War II and worked as a logistics liaison for the Doolittle Raid in 1942. Following World War II, he collaborated with noted director John Ford to create Argozi Productions and continued to produce films throughout the 1940s and 50s. Shodzak was born on June 8, 1893 in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and ran away from home at the age of 14 before ending up working as a surveyor in San Francisco. His film career began in 1914 as a cameraman working for Mack Sennett, work that he continued throughout World War I, where he also served in the Signal Corps and flew combat missions. He worked with refugees in Poland during the Polish-Russian Wars and also the Greco-Turkish War before being hired by the New York Times as a cameraman on an expedition around the world. He mainly worked in the 1920s and 30s, but did direct a few films in 1940 and beyond, including Mighty Joe Young and This is Cinerama. So now that we have placed the film in a little bit of context, let's talk about Chang specifically. The film is relatively simple in that it is a pseudo-documentary that focuses on one family living in the jungles of Siam. 
Crewe is the patriarch and is portrayed as a man who has built the homestead his family lives in all on his own. The house is raised on stilts to protect the family from the beasts that lurk in the jungle and come out at night. Every evening, the family packs their livestock into pens made of bamboo or brings them into the elevated house for protection before Crewe pulls up the ladder and closes the gate for the night. Early in the film, a leopard breaks into the pen protecting the family's goats and kills all but one. Crewe retaliates by building a higher wall along with a trap for the next time the leopard comes back. Later, Crewe travels to the nearby village where he came from to request help against the tigers and leopards in the area. We are treated to scenes of deadly traps being constructed by not only the tribal warriors, but even Crewe's wife and young child. Some of the traps work, and ultimately several tigers and leopards are killed, right in front of our eyes on the screen. We flash forward to the end of the growing season, and while Crewe no longer has to worry about the feline threats, there are new giant footprints among his destroyed crops that indicate Chang has been there. Chang is the Thai word for elephant, and the men rig yet another trap for the biggest beast of them all, ultimately capturing a young elephant which Crewe ties up to his house until the mother arrives and destroys his home. He retreats with his family to the neighboring town to alert the villagers, who initially don't believe that the elephant herd has returned. That is, until the entire herd tramples the town as a sort of revenge. The grand finale of the film shows the town working together to build an enormous walled area where they can funnel the entire elephant herd. The men disguise themselves as bushes and beat drums to drive the majority of the herd into their giant trap before beating the elephants into submission and forcing them to work for the humans. Let's move next on to making of the film. The film itself notes at the very beginning that it was filmed in the jungles of Siam, now typically called Thailand, although some reports I've read indicate that the actual shooting location is located in what is modern-day Laos. It's also important to note that the natives seen in the film actually belong to the ethnic group of the Lao people, which lends some truth to that claim. Shooting the film took place over the course of two years, beginning in 1925. The production team had to contend with difficult weather in the jungle, bouts of malaria, and of course, the wild animals themselves. There is also a reported incident where Cooper slapped the village chief across the face in frustration when one of the tigers escaped, only to have the chief's wife attempt to kill him by putting bamboo splinters in his food. Now, this may be an apocryphal story, I don't know, but to me it's a good story nonetheless. The lead role of Crew is played by the man that was the interpreter for the expedition. His daughter is played by the interpreter's own daughter, while the wife, Chantui, was played by an unrelated woman that the directors found nearby. Much of the information I found about the film indicates that while the animals are portrayed as wild and savage, many of them were somewhat tame, especially when it came to the monkeys and elephants. The film shows a menagerie of wild animals including tigers, leopards, elephants, bears, a python, a monitor lizard, and several kinds of monkeys. Domesticated animals shown include the gibbon named Bimbo, a mongoose, an anteater with her baby, dogs and pups, pigs, goats, and a water buffalo. Nearly every piece of writing about this film makes some comment about the killing of animals on screen. It's true that this film was made well before there was much concern for animal welfare in films, and there is no chance you will see a disclaimer at the end of this film claiming that no animals were harmed. In fact, the filmmakers often stood together behind the camera, one operating the camera and the other holding a gun, in order to shoot the tigers or leopards if, and more likely when, they got too close. 
In fact, one famous scene where Crew is chased up a tree by a tiger, one of the directors took the camera into the tree and captured a stunning close-up of the tiger leaping up to get him. This image was memorialized in one of the posters used to promote the film. The last third of the film centers around the herd of elephants the villagers are trying to control, and in order to capture these scenes, the directors reportedly paid Yugala Dighambara, Prince of Lapuri, the sum of around 30,000 US dollars for use of his private herd of tamed elephants. However, the elephants may have been a little bit too tame, as they didn't really want to destroy the village when time came to do the stampede scenes. At the time of its release, Chang received generally favorable reviews. A Variety magazine review published in May of 1927 claimed the film to be, quote, the best wild animal picture ever made, end quote. A month later, Photoplay published a review which stated in part, quote, Major Marion Cooper and Ernest Shodzak, those two young chaps who filmed grass, have returned from the Siamese jungles with this new study in elemental life. It compares favorably with Robert Flaherty's Nanook and Moana and provides a big dramatic kick of its own. Chang shows the eternal battle between man and nature. The protagonists are a native, his wife, and their three children, not to mention a pet white gibbon. End quote. Lastly, the New York Times called it a thrilling jungle study and, quote, an unusual piece of work, beside which all big game hunting films pale into insignificance. End quote. As far as critique goes, there's far too much critique of this film to cover here in one short episode, but I do want to touch on a few interesting thoughts that I found throughout my research. In addition to the constant focus on the killing of animals on screen for the mere purpose of showing their death, the other constant in reviews and critiques of this film relate to genre. One of the best articles I found on the film was by Alexander J. Clem called Staging Authenticity in the Jungle of Siam. Clem goes deep on many aspects of the film and mentions as part of his conclusion that we can't really give Chang over to one genre because film genre as we know it today was still being developed in the 1920s. The full title of the film itself includes the word drama and it was billed as a melodrama when it was released in theaters. Many people today look at it as a pseudo-documentary that tends to lean more towards staged aspects than what we might consider true nature or exploration documentaries today. This is not your typical National Geographic documentary, or even something you might find as part of Blue Planet. One other piece that kept popping up in my research was the idea of man versus nature. This is something that films have tackled for years and would ultimately be a central theme of Cooper and Shodzak's 1933 film, King Kong. Even the intertitles in Chang continuously remind the viewer of this fact. They claim early in the film that the jungle was there before the most ancient civilizations, cities, and even before man himself walked the earth. This timelessness of the jungle gives the sense that as much as we fight against it, the jungle will always return. It can never be completely destroyed. Indeed, the final intertitles of the film state, quote, peace then, for a day, perhaps for a month, perhaps for a year, but not for long, for first was the jungle, always will be the jungle, from the beginning until the end of time it stretches the unconquered, the unconquerable, end quote. And as with the last episode, I want to finish up with a few thoughts of my own on the film. In general, I'm quite conflicted with this film. I can appreciate the work that went into making something like this, especially nearly a hundred years ago, but I can't forgive the treatment of the animals 
and the fact that many of the elements were clearly staged or replicated for the purpose of the film. The film seems to send a mixed message when the titles keep telling us how the jungle is forever and man cannot tame the jungle, but nearly every moment of footage we see the exact opposite. For example, when Cruz's goats are eating, eaten at the beginning of the film, he gets revenge by capturing the leopard culprit. When the tiger kills his buffalo, the village rises up to help him capture the tigers haunting the area. Even when the elephants terrorize the village, the humans ultimately get their revenge and tame the beasts. So, while it seems like Cooper and Shodsek want you to believe that the jungle is forever, I'm not entirely sure they believe it themselves. Chang is a technical marvel for the time, but ultimately leaves me feeling a bit unfulfilled. As we're wrapping up here today, I want to include some of the resources that I was able to find in my research for Chang. As I mentioned when I talked about the circus last episode, things like Wikipedia and Silence Are Golden and SilentEra.com were all excellent resources in putting together this episode. In addition to that, I was able to find more recent reviews from sources like The Guardian, the BBC, a website called Simbasable, I think that's how you say it, as well as Nick's Flick Picks, and some articles including the aforementioned article by Alexander Clem, Staging Authenticity in the Jungle of Siam, as well as an article by Jacqueline Thipfong called Methods and Distortion in Film Chang. There was also one fantastic article from the Bangkok Post where the writer, uh, just uh, in July of 2019, posted a story of the first time he had viewed the film in Thailand itself. As we wrap up today, please check out the website at theoscarproject.com or find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash theoscarproject. There, you can also join the Oscar Project discussion group and be sure to check out the new Patreon page that I have created to help support the show. If you're enjoying what you hear, please consider making a pledge as a patron on that site. Be sure to come back for the next episode of the Oscar Project podcast where I discuss the talking picture, The Jazz Singer. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the movies.